Hey everybody, Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you from Allen County War Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where the NWCA Multidivisional National Duels will kick off Thursday. You can catch the action for that tournament live on Track Wrestling. Today, though, I've got our ranking commander, David Mirakatani, on the other line. Welcome back, David. Andy, good to be with you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. A little worn down. we got about 500 wrestlers on the mats in front of me right now. we got 24 mats lined up here. This place is absolutely massive. Uh, looking forward to a couple fun days of wrestling here with multi-divisional national duels. But uh, we got a ton of stuff to cover after an uh-huh. awesome four days of wrestling with the Midlands and the Southern Scuffle. So let's get to it. I'm going to start, first of all, with a breakdown of what we got at the rankings weight by weight. At 125 pounds, Minnesota's Ethan Lysak makes the biggest move of the week, debuting at number six after winning the Southern Scuffle in his first appearance of the season in the Minnesota lineup. Lysak posted a 10-2 major decision win in the finals against previously unbeaten Jack Mueller of Virginia. The other guy who made a big move this week at 125 at the scuffle was Stanford freshman Gabe Townsell, who came from outside the rankings up to number 11 after taking out number one seed Dylan Peters in the round of 16 and eventually placing fifth in the tournament. Peters stumbled from number three in the rankings down to number 12 after suffering a second loss to a true freshman at the scuffle. He dropped a 12-6 decision to Virginia's Louis Hayes on the backside. At the Midlands, Iowa's Thomas Gilman rolled through the brackets, scoring a pin and three texts on his way to the semis. He had a bit of a hiccup in the semis where he won an 8-6 to six decision against American University's Josh Doral before Gilman came back to register a major decision in the finals against Nebraska's Tim Lambert. It was Gilman's third Midlands title. He came His first game three years ago as a freshman, you might remember Gilman and Corey Clark were battling it out then for the starting job for the Hawkeyes. Gilman wrestled Lambert later in the season and won a two-to-one decision. He talked after the Midlands title about the progress he's made in the last three seasons. Um, There's a lot going on there, however many years ago. Not a lot of movement in the top 13. Nebraska's Eric Montoya gave up two takedowns, but came back to beat Zane Richards of Illinois using a third-period rideout and an overtime takedown to win a 6-4 to decision. Montoya's victory evens the season score in their personal series after Richards won the All-Star Classic meeting. Along the way to the finals, Montoya 
won a two to nothing decision in overtime, you know, breaking a scoreless match with a takedown in overtime to beat South Dakota State's Seth Gross. Montoya afterward talked about his performance in the Midlands title bout. He's very good. He's te- technically he's better than me, um, especially on the feet, but my, my will gets me to where I want to be. And, um, you know, I was beating him at the All-Star Classic. I let it slip through my hands. I said I wouldn't let it happen again. I think I wrestled better at the All-Star Classic, to be honest with you, on my feet. I scored twice on him. Here, I didn't score on him until OT. So, maybe I got to go look back at that film and see what I did better. At 141, Missouri's Jaden Ironman and Minnesota's Tommy Thorne come into the rankings at 141, here at 9 and 10, respectively. I was Topher Carton makes a big move going from 24 up to 13 after placing 7th at the Midlands. Some slight reshuffling at the top. Kevin Jack wins the Midlands and goes from 5 to 2 after beating Princeton's Matthew Kolodzik in the finals. North Carolina's Joey Ward knocks off number two, Joey McKenna, in overtime in the scuffle semifinals. McKenna falls to number four, while Ward climbs from eight to six after a runner-up finish in Chattanooga. At 149, the top six all remain the same. Northern Iowa's Max Thompson climbs from 12 to eight after a third-place finish at the scuffle. Maryland's Alfred Bannister drops from seven to six after placing eighth at the Midlands. Oklahoma's Davion Jeffries makes the big move upward, going from 19 to 12 after placing fourth at the Midlands. At 157, we thought we were going to see Dylan Palacio's season debut at the scuffle, but to no avail. He drops from number two to number eight. Meanwhile, Lehigh's Jordan Cutler makes a move up from 14 to four after taking out Joe Smith of Oklahoma State in the finals. Arizona State's Josh Shields makes the big climb at 157, going from 21 to 7 after placing third in the Midlands. While Iowa's Michael Kemmerer won the tournament with a 6-5 tiebreaker win in the finals in an epic match against Nebraska's Tyler Berger. Kemmerer takes over as the new number two. Iowa coach Tom Brands talked about Kemmerer after the tournament. Kemmerer's one of those guys that the more calm he is, the better he is, and he's starting to show that over um, maybe way, and that's the key. And composure, um, I call it, you know, ice cold, cool as a cucumber, whatever you call it. Um, that's what he's doing, and that's what he's best. So that's what we got. That's what we got to keep it. But the thing is, is, he knows that, and he practices that. He works on that. So he's not one of these guys that isn't accountable. He is accountable. At 165, Oklahoma State's Chandler Rogers decks Daniel Lewis in the scuffle finals and climbs back into the top ten at number seven, one spot ahead of Lewis. Iowa freshman Alex Marinelli makes the move from 22 up to 11 after placing fourth at the Midlands. In that same bracket, CSU Bakersfield Lorenzo DeLariva placed sixth and makes his debut in the top 25 at number 13. The champion of that bracket was Illinois' Isaiah Martinez, who remains the top guy here, but Imar had his hands full in the finals against Chad Walsh of Ryder before pulling out a 10-6 to victory. Imar talked about his performance in the finals. Um, I just confident in my composure. I've also before. Um, 
Yeah, he's scrappy, but uh, I knew he was going to fight. Like, he wasn't going to be afraid, like 90% uh, of the guys are going in, and um, I knew he was going to fight me in, in my good positions. You know, my key belt position is one of my best positions, and you know, I think I've been an innovator in that position. A lot of guys don't know how to wrestle there, but uh, he's real scrappy, and he can, he can, he can hang there. So uh, it gives me a lot of trouble, but, um, you know, I think... Yeah, I'm not very happy with the way I competed. I think I wrestled a little bit scared in, in um, some of those positions. Um, uh, I just I got to get back to work. When he put you in that front headlock in that last period, and he held you there. Were you any? Was any concern for you? I mean, there's always that panic. If, if, if a guy's about to rip you to your back, you better have a sense of urgency to get up, or else you're gonna get turned. Um, but uh, just hit core power, and um, it was close. It was he. he he was ready to fight, so. The big story here isn't reflected in the rankings. Penn State freshman Mark Hall wrestling unattached, rolls through a loaded scuffle bracket to win the title. Arizona State's Zahid Valencia was equally impressive on his way to the Midlands title. He scored an 11-2 major in the finals against Iowa State's Leland Weatherspoon. From a ranking standpoint, Duke's Connor Bass makes the big move here, going from 23-13 to 13 after placing sixth at the scuffle. Penn's Casey Kent tumbled from 3 to 12 after placing fifth in that same bracket. At 184, the top five remain unchanged. Gabe Dean continues to roll along. He collects his fourth scuffle title, while Jack Deckow makes his day first appearance of the season in the top 10 after a runner-up finish in the Midlands. The Old Dominion senior had a couple tough losses early in the season, but he collects a win against old Ohio State's Miles Martin in the quarterfinals before dropping a 4-2 decision in the finals against Nebraska's Tim Dudley. At 197, Jaden Cox of Missouri scores a late takedown to beat Minnesota's Brett Farr in the scuffle finals. The Missouri senior preserves his number one ranking. Meanwhile, at the Midlands, Nebraska's Aaron Studebaker avenged an early season loss against South Dakota State's Nate Roder in the finals. Studebaker goes from 10 up to 8. Rotor falls from five to nine. Also at the Midlands, Northern Illinois' Sean Scott used a third-place finish to vault from 23 up to 11. And Northwestern's Jacob Berkowitz comes into the rankings at number six after scoring a pin against Princeton's Brett Harner on his way to an eighth-place finish. At heavyweight, Duke's Jacob Casper runs through the scuffle bracket to win the title there. He goes from 20 to up to five. Casper Post wins along the way against Denzel Dejernet, Austin Schaefer, and Michael Krails. At the Midlands, Eastern Michigan's Gage Hutchison popped into the rankings at number 14 after placing four. It's a lot to digest, David, but we're going to you know, put you on the spot here and, and let you run through all 10 weights, starting with 125. I'm going to give you free reign just to, to go with your random thoughts on on what were the big takeaways for you over the course of those I, four days of wrestling. So, yeah, lose, I, appreciate, I appreciate it. First of all, it was just fun to be able to watch all that wrestling. And I really want to thank you and my friend Scott Cuthbert and Mark Ostrander. They, they helped, all three of you guys really helped me get the data everybody had you know, different websites and stuff open to try to do these as accurately as possible. So that was a big help. The second thing, just to kind of lay this out, is it's really important that people understand that we're ranking on resume, not on opinion. You know, we might think a person is better or worse than their body of work, but we have to rank them on their body of work, especially this far into the season. 
And then the last thing, and this is a personal bias, but I rank guys higher based on how they do in tournaments than if they have a bad duel or not. Because to place at nationals, you have to wrestle well for two days. You have to wrestle well, make weight the next day, wrestle well, and make weight the third day. You don't have to wrestle well the third day to place, but you've got to at least do those other parts. So to me, guys that proved themselves in a tournament, um, that they give that they give them a leg up in the rankings. Um, to, to go through weight by weight, and we won't drag this out, but uh, Lezak and Mueller were exactly who you and I thought they would be. We both said Lezak would jump in the top six or eight. We had Jag Mueller ranked higher than anybody else did. And Gabe Townsville was an interesting guy. At the beginning, I thought, well, we can't really rank him that high. But he comes from a great high school program, Mike Powell of Park River Forest, and he was behind SRAM. So there's, you know, he's behind a returning All-American. He really just finally got a chance to prove himself and wrestled really well. Um, Crazer and McGee didn't have the best of tournaments, so they're going to have to work their way up. And Josh Terrell is a guy that really was impressive in losing. He's the only guy, I think, to hold Gilman to under bonus points. So... Those are my takeaways from 25. Also, Dylan Peters will obviously have to work his way back into the rankings, but he's awfully good, so that can definitely happen. Um, at 33, I think a couple stories. One, it, it sounds like we're going to get to see Corey Clark, so it's good that his injury wasn't you know, that serious, and he'll wrestle Misik probably, so that's a really good test for him right away. Montoya and Richards. Those guys seem like they're just destined to wrestle one-point or overtime matches, so those were fun to watch. Um, Kate Brock, he's kind of stuck where he can't move up until he wrestles some of these guys, but that guy keeps winning. Um, I think we all hope Scotty Parker's injury isn't very serious. And then Jamal Morris had a really good Midlands, and we, know, we ranked him over Fawz because he did so well placed in the top five, and you know I think that's deserving of a top 16 ranking. Um, at 41, Dean Heil just keeps winning. You know, some people don't like how pretty it is, but that kid's a winner. That's a really good weight class. He keeps getting it done. Uh, Kevin Jack had a great tournament. Um, you know, he, I think he's justified at number two for sure. Uh, Joey Ward, he seems to be getting better working out with Josh Kindig and Ramos. And I think, and probably Coleman, he's coming along nicely. Um, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with Missouri at 141. They had Manley there, and now they've got Ironman. I don't know if that was a one-tournament thing for Ironman. I don't know if he weighed in at 141 or weighed in in the 130s and can go back down, but I think that's interesting. Uh, Chad Red was like six seconds away from making the Midlands finals, so that was pretty interesting, and I think if he had made the finals, the Nebraska staff would have had a, a much more difficult decision about possibly pulling his red shirt. So I think that's something to follow because Nebraska moved up this week. Um, and just a lot of these guys were in action this week, so that was kind of nice to see. And, and Topher Carton has had kind of a quiet season uh, in terms of not getting a lot of publicity, but I think now we're going to start getting him ranked where he belongs. Uh, at 49... I think we saw Kalika Mays wrestle for the 32nd time. I think they're probably 16 apiece <laughs> now. Um, they'll go to, you know, five-set tiebreaker in tennis at, at probably nationals. So, and then they'll wrestle a couple weeks here in the duel now that I say that. So 
Um, Max Thompson, uh, for you guys listening, Andy Hamilton has told me all year how good Max Thompson is. He was right. Uh, we just didn't have the wins that we needed to rank him higher, and that, again, goes to ranking on resume and not opinion. But he beat Lugo. He placed ahead of Gardner. Um, he had a very good tournament. Um, Bannister had a very good first half of the year, had a disappointing Midlands for him, but he's got the chance to come back. And we ranked Geraldo here over Theobald from the same team because he placed higher than him, but Rutgers has a, a good problem on their hands there at, at 149. At, at 57, the Kemmer-Berger match, I could watch that match six times and probably who you're rooting for, you could see the one of those guys are winning it probably at four different spots before the match finally ended. Uh, Jordan Cutler looked really good against Joe Smith. I think Joe's still shaking some rust off, probably getting his weight under control. But it was a, a legit big-time win for Cutler. Josh Shields, uh, I think you and I talked about it, Andy. I think Arizona State's wrestled the most matches of any team in the country this year, and I think these young guys are starting to figure it out and put it together. And then we, we made a difficult decision on Dylan Palacio on whether or not to leave him at two or pull him out altogether. And we kind of just split the baby and ranked him at eight. But if he doesn't wrestle this in the next couple competitions, we're going to have to drop him probably out which is bad because it's a bad indicator of team strength, but I just don't think it's fair at this point. Um, Clayton Ream had a disappointing Midland, so he'll have to bounce back up, get where he wants to be. And then Jake Short might be the hardest guy to rank in the country because that guy's got more good wins and bad losses than anybody else I can think of. Um, at 65, uh, I was very impressed with Chad Walsh watching the finals match against Martinez. Um, he has a lot of funk, but he's also just good in fundamental positions. Uh, Chandler Rogers is the kind of guy that could win most falls at the tournament or put himself on his back twice. That guy's got a super high ceiling. If he can control his basement, he's going to be awfully hard to beat. Valencia's sneaking up in that top eight. Bryce Steyer. Northern Iowa had a sneaky good tournament at uh, Scuffle. They, I think they may have dropped in the rankings because Peters was ranked so high, but they have a lot of guys in that 9 to 12 range that could get on the podium. And we were probably the people that were on Marinelli the most. It just seems like he's going to wrestle this year, and he certainly has made that decision easier for Iowa if they choose to wrestle him. And then I think Wanzek looked really good for the first time down to 65 right after Christmas. You know, it must, he must have handled that cut very, very well. Um, 74, it's a really hard weight to rank, in my opinion. I think there's an argument for Zahid Valencia to actually be number one. Um, Bo Jordan's barely wrestled. Epperly hasn't wrestled that much. Rio Budo didn't wrestle this weekend. I think when we talk about the team scores, it's very interesting that Penn State probably has a guy here who would have to be ranked at the very, very lowest fifth. And he's sitting, you know, in his red shirt right now. Preach was a guy that we had ranked higher than everybody else, and he did a great job. Leland Weatherspoon continues to show us how high his ceiling can be. Um, if he can control again his basement, he'll he'll be on the podium again. Casey Kent's going to have to work his way back up, uh, but he's got the, obviously the capability of wrestling well in the big tournament. And again, this was a way where a ton of guys wrestled 
um, in the top 25, and uh, the kids from Rutgers and Harvard, Pagano and Johnson, got themselves in the rankings by having a good Midlands. At 84, Gabe Dean, it's really interesting. This weight, I think, at the beginning of the year, we thought was a toss-up, and and I guess it still could be. We haven't seen him wrestle Dudley or Nickel, but good Lord, this guy is scary. I mean, he beat Boyd by five or six, and I think people were disappointed. And, you know, Boyd's a top-four guy. <laughs> Sammy Brooks and Jackson had two really close matches. Probably the hardest guy at this weight to rank was Miles Martin. You know, he took eighth, and I think he defaulted out for eighth, but he still took eighth. It's hard to rank him. You know, maybe ninth is generous, but when you see a guy that you know can't just not only place at the national tournament but win the national tournament, he gets a little bit more rope, and and that's just the reality of it. You know, when you earn, when you have past performances that are really good, I think people give you the benefit of the doubt. I know I do. Uh, in 97, Brett Farr is pretty scary if you don't pick his foot up off the ground. I mean, his defense, his Passover defense, is sick, and it's really sick for a guy that weighs 200 pounds. Um, Jaden just keeps figuring out ways to win, and I think you know he probably can wrestle a lot better than he is, so that's kind of scary. Uh not a lot of changes here, really. Sean Scott had a really good Midlands and moved way up. And the rest of it were guys just kind of sliding up or down a few spots here. Um, heavyweight was one that you and I talked about a lot, Andy. You know, how high do we rank Jacob Casper? And I actually think we were just wrong about him in the beginning. He had one bad loss to the backup from Wisconsin. And early in the year, when you have a small body of work, we're like, well, we can't rank that guy. He lost to a guy that's not even starting. And then he comes through, and like you mentioned, he beats Desjardins, he beats Schaefer, he beats Crails. And they were not controversial matches. He didn't get good calls. He didn't get lucky. He beat them guys. And so then if you look at the race... If you look at the rankings, Casper beat Schaefer head-to-head. Schaefer beat Crails head-to-head. Crails beat Tanner Hall the second time they wrestled, so he would have criteria over him. And Tanner Hall beat Stoll head-to-head. So Casper doing so well actually knocked Iowa out of the top eight spots at heavyweight, which obviously impacts the team scores. So those were some – I guess those are my takeaways. And then if you look at the team scores – it's close at the top, and I actually think, and we talked about this privately, if, if Oklahoma State wrestled to their ranking and Penn State wrestled to their ranking and they're two points apart, I think all of us would probably pick Penn State to be able to outbonus them just based on who they have at 49 and 57 alone. And Iowa's got several guys that could move up pretty easily. Stoll could move up. Um, Alex Meyer is now in that 9 through 12 range. He could easily move back up. And um, Topher Carton is a guy that can move up. And Marinelli is a guy that can move up. And if all those guys just jumped up even into the eighth place spot, they would actually be first. So I still think it's a three-horse race, at least. And Ohio State hasn't wrestled. And when they start wrestling, I, I just don't think it's a two-horse race. I think it's really interesting. I do think if Penn State wrestles Mark Hall, I think it's going to be awfully hard for anybody to beat him. 
Well, looking at the team scores, you know, you mentioned Nebraska. They move up a spot. They go from six to or from seven to six past Missouri. Um, uh-huh. The other thing is interesting. We talked about Minnesota making the move into the top ten at number nine. We knew that that they were going to receive a pretty substantial jump here um, at the first of the year, just getting Thorne and Lezak back in their lineup. Um, were there any other team takeaways? Were, were there any other teams that really impressed you over the course Lehigh, of those four days? Yeah, I think Lehigh's got a team where they can get a lot of guys in that round of twelve, and then they have to wrestle well. And they didn't. And Cruz actually didn't wrestle well for them. He dropped. So if he, you know, and he's he's probably got the best win at that weight of the guys in the top twelve, having beat Kevin Jack. So we know his ceiling is really high. And then I think Arizona State is coming. I mean, I think they're a year away from being really, really good, but they're, they're good. I mean, they're really good. And we talked about it earlier. They're wrestling a lot of matches, and I think. Uh, Zeke and Lee and Chris are doing a great job. Those guys are learning from their matches, and they're getting better. They're not making the same mistakes they made earlier in the year. I think that's substantial. So um, and those two teams, and it was interesting. As soon as I saw the scuffle, re- or the scuffle results and Oklahoma State set the team score record, I think I called you and I go, I think they're actually going to drop in points because they were seated so high, and then they lost in a couple spots. So, um Sometimes it's not as easy as just winning the tournament. It's you know it goes weight by weight, and some of them didn't have a chance to beat guys ranked above them, so it's kind of hard for them to gain ground there. Well, we're getting into the dual season now. We got the things that are going to start sorting themselves out in terms of the the D1 duels picture, the end of the season national duels. Uh, what do you have your eye on this weekend, David? I think overall duels. Iowa-Michigan on Friday is interesting. There will be interesting matches in Virginia Tech-Princeton, Illinois-Rutgers, Penn State-Minnesota, and I really hope at Ohio State-Wisconsin that we get to see Snyder and Medbury. Um, you know, but there's a bunch of good matches in there. You know, you go through those 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 duels. And then Sunday, Rutgers wrestles Ohio State, and Penn State wrestles Nebraska. Mizzou wrestles OU and Virginia Tech wrestles North Carolina. And there's just numerous individual matchups there. And I guess I don't really look at the team scores that much because, you know, as somebody smarter than me said, in dual meets, your worst guy matters the most, and in tournaments, your best guys matter the most. So I just look and see how those best guys do against each other and how that affects the rankings. But I do think there's a lot of potential. The Penn State-Nebraska duel, I think, is going to be super interesting. A friend of mine's going to that. And there's a bunch of matches that, on paper, are toss-ups are really close, you know, within two, three spots in the rankings. And that'll be fun to see. You know, so, I mean, I think 84 is a great match. 25 is a good match. Um, 57, we can see how much Burgers progressed. 97 is a sneaky good match. Both those guys are like in that 6 through 12 range. So there's a, there's a bunch of matches there that are really good. Um, you know, Montoya had a great Midlands. Can he can he take it to Cortez? That's a chance for Cortez to jump back up. Colton McChrystal struggling. So is Jimmy Gulaban right now. So how does that match go? There's just a bunch of matches there that that you can make an argument for both guys pretty easily. So it'll be interesting to hear. Yeah, I think that 
for sure, for sure. I think that uh, the next couple weeks are going to be really fascinating, not not just in terms of matchups, but but who do we see on the mat? I mean, you know, we've talked about Marinelli. We think we're going to see Marinelli. The, the next couple weeks, I think, are going to be the true sign there. Um, if if the Hawkeyes are going to use him, there's, there's probably no holding back at this point. There's no waiting a whole lot longer to see, but uh, – um, that, that's going to be interesting to see. You, you touched upon Chad Red, his performance at the Midlands. He was, you know, he gave up a takedown with three seconds left in the semifinals. Yeah. Otherwise, he was going, he was going to the finals uh, to wrestle Kevin Jack. Um, I asked Mark Manning about uh, what they're going to do there. Um, it sure seemed by reading between the lines, they're at least kicking that idea around. Um, now, now, as you mentioned, Colton McChrystal did not have. Uh, the, the greatest tournament. He's, he's in a little bit of a slump right now, but uh, also a guy that came out and wrestled pretty well in that first month, month and a half of the season. Uh, posted a, a big win over Bryce Meredith. Uh, so, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, uh, the Corey Clark situation, to monitor that, how he looks coming back. Um, just, just a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on here over the course of the next couple of weeks. Is, is there anything else that... Uh, that you're intrigued to find out that we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, you know this. When we do the rankings, we go through weight by weight, try to do the best job we can, and then just add the team scores up. And I was surprised that Iowa and Ohio State were that far behind Oklahoma State and Penn State. But like I said, I think Iowa can very easily get right back in that that conversation around 100 team points in Ohio State too, because Miles Martin dropped out, and you know he could easily get ranked back up to you know sixth or fifth, and he, he, he jumps eight nine points. So I don't think you can sleep on any of those guys. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of, of what I'm about to say, but if Virginia Tech were to pull McFadden out of red shirt, that puts them up there around 88 89 points. And then you got five really good teams plus Nebraska and Mizzou, and you got seven teams fighting for four trophies, and I think that's going to be really fun. So uh, this is, you know, we're we're wrestling geeks. We love it. And this is, you know, it's a great time of year, right? I mean, no matter you can't wait. You don't have to wait more than a day or two to get a good match, and that's that's the best part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And one other thing, you know, to keep an eye on. Uh, at the Midlands, um, Pat Papalicio dropped a hint that, you know, NC State's not done making changes to their lineup. He, he said that they're going to make some changes here over the course of the next uh, few weeks. It's going to be – he would not uh, – he would not give me any more clues on what those those changes are going to be, but he said some changes are coming. So that's going to be interesting to see what, what the pack, what they do with their lineup. Um, anything else that you want to touch upon this week, David? No, it's, it was, like I said, big, big thanks to you guys that I mentioned earlier for helping out. It, it's doing the rankings is actually kind of lonely sometimes. So you kind of go blind staring at your monitor. So it's nice to, you know, be on a two way or three way call with guys that you can get through the data and also laugh and joke around and have fun. And it makes it a, a lot less tedious. So I really appreciate Mark's help, Scott's help, and your help, because, um, like I said, it, it gets slow, and I, 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 I'm looking forward to these duels, and I think Iowa's got maybe the most interesting duel schedule 
don't they wrestle Michigan this week slash weekend, Oklahoma State next weekend, and then either Penn State or Ohio State the following two weekends in some order, correct? Yep, yep, yep. It's uh, uh, it's going to be a pretty good test for the Hawkeyes over the course of the next month, certainly. I, um, one week after another, they're uh, they're going to face some really tough opponents, some great matches involved in those dual meets. It's, it's going to be a fun uh, January to see where we're at in a month. You know, what what are our team standings look like a month from now? I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to see because uh, not just what Iowa's got on the schedule, but, uh, you know, you mentioned Penn State, Nebraska, Penn State, Minnesota, um, some colossal dual meets coming up here in the next four weeks. Yeah, and all this shakes out to the national duels, right? Like, I mean, we feel like we think we know who the top, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, if you look at it right now, the top eight dual teams in our rankings, not the dual me rankings, but there's four Big Ten, four non-Big Ten. So that's interesting, and, you know, how those will shake out. I know Oklahoma State and Missouri dual head up, and that, that could have a huge impact on who ends up being, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, the number one seed of the non, non-Big Ten schools. So yep. a lot of fun stuff to watch, and then you also got high school stuff coming up, so... It's a good time to be a wrestling fan, for sure. Yeah, and we got this uh, right in front of me. It's going to roll out tomorrow morning, the NWCA Multidivisional National Duels. Uh, as I mentioned, 24 mats out here. It's going to be some fantastic action over the course of the next couple of days. So that'll do it for our rankings breakdown for this week. Thanks again, David Mercatani, for your time and insights. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, sir. So thanks for listening this week. You can check out our rankings on trackwrestling.com. And if you're listening to us on trackwrestling.com, you can also download and listen through iTunes on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.